are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. This is MBDA President Heather Mason. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry. And since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. When we create thriving bicycle retailers, the industry and the cycling community follows. Today's guest is CEO of Ascent360, a relationship marketing leader who specializes in optimizing marketing programs through data, analytics, and technology. Scott has led and built marketing programs for over 50 Fortune 500 clients in multiple industries. Working closely with the team at the NBDA, Scott has been helping us to lead retailers' best practices in data collection and help us to guide and educate on the importance of offering personalized and customer-centric service. This is a timely conversation as we as an industry look for insight in marketing, communication, and outreach in order to help all cyclists stay engaged with us and the local retailer. But before we begin, I'd like to offer a sincere note of thanks to Association Member Bike Flights for their continued support of the National Bicycle Dealers Association and retailers at large. Bikeflights.com is a leading shipping service and a supplier of bike shipping boxes, offering fast delivery, low cost, and excellent service. Since 2019, Bike Flights, or since 2009, Bike Flights has been making it easy for individuals, bike shops, and events to ship bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence. You can learn more at bikeflights.com. All right, without further ado, welcome, Scott, to Bicycle Retail Radio. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk. I just want to start by offering a sincere note of thanks to you and your team. It's been awesome working closely with Heather and Rob. In 2021, it simply flew by. It was fantastic. We had you at the Big Gear Show. The team was at Cabda. I would consider you all close friends. And speaking with the several retailers who have come on board and started working with you in the past year, these relationships you're forming, top-notch. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure. You know, it was great to originally get out to the show at Park City. I think that was our first event in over a year. That one was, you know, outdoor. It was just a pleasure to be there. Met a lot of great people, a, a lot of a lot of West Coast bike dealers, but people came from really all over the country. And you know, that that flowed into some of the other events we did together, the the Cabda shows. My team's been been really happy to be at those, and you know, I think meeting all the all the bike dealers as well as the 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 brands through that journey has been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we know that I came onto the role in February, and since then, you know, full honesty, I had not been familiar with Ascent Three Hundred and Sixty, but getting to know your team and seeing, you know, watching Rob run retailers through the demos and listening to retailers say, "Oh, this has really been awesome." Just Really great to have you on the show today because I really want to dive into it to give our listeners a little bit a better understanding of the importance and exactly how they can work with you. Before we get started, I want to just, I always like to go into the background of the person I'm interviewing for people listening. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to get involved with Ascent360? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I founded Ascent360 in 2014. And I did that after work at two different companies. I think the first one to mention is a company called Merkle. And, and Merkle built marketing databases for the Fortune 500. And these were very sophisticated, very high-end, very expensive systems to 
you know, use all their data for smart marketing decisions. And, you know, this is the likes of DirecTV and Dell and Royal Caribbean and Disney. And, and I think we all have the stories of, of how well, you know, Disney can consider their guests, how well they treat them, how much they know them, and they know them through, through data. And what I found there was, you know, this was an enormous business advantage to have a marketing database where you can look at the history of a customer and you can treat them accordingly, that you can treat them accordingly. And it was such an advantage, but it was so expensive. And I'll, I'll tell one quick story. So one of the things that DirecTV did was they built a model based on a consumer's history that was zero stars to five stars. And when someone would call in, our system would, would tell DirecTV, you know, is this person a zero star or a five star customer? And if they were a five star customer and, and they called in, the agent had effectively unlimited ability to give them anything they want, right? If they said, look, I was upset, I drove over my DVR and I threw it out the window. The answer was, well, let me send you another one. What's the address? If they were zero star, the answer was something more like, hey, have you heard about Comcast? We would love to, you know, they actually have coupons on this page and, and you're actually trying to get, get rid of a customer. And it's all based on, you know, how good a customer are they? Uh, are they spending money? Are they spending too much help desk resources? All this sort of stuff. And what you realize is that's an enormous advantage. They also treat their customers pretty well, especially the valuable ones. So I said to myself, well, how do, how do, how do I take this idea, how do we turn it into software, and how do we deliver it to small, mid-sized businesses? And that's been our mission ever since, and it's been quite successful. So Scott, did you, I mean, I, I believe from what I know of the company that you've started in, in the ski, re, with ski retailers, or is that incorrect? Like, how did you focus on ski and then eventually bike? Like, where did you see that niche or that need? Yeah, interestingly, I, I actually started within a company called the Leisure Trends Group. And this was, you know, a lot of people, longtime listeners, longtime members of the outdoor industry will know Jim and Joy Spring. They founded a business called the Leisure Trends Group, worked with really the who's who in the outdoor industry across ski and bike and outdoor and fish and run. That's really where I started meeting individuals who run outdoor companies, who run ski resorts. And, and ski, if you will, is a very natural place to start. The, the amount of data that you have in ski is substantial, right? You, you typically know in some system, you know, who owns the season pass. You know if their family owns the season passes as well. You typically know when are they checking into a hotel, out of a hotel, how many, you know, passes, how many times they've scanned their pass. Are they renting equipment? Are they taking lessons? how advanced they are, where they're skiing on the mountain. There's an enormous amount of data to use, you know, in, in appropriate ways to make really good relationships with guests, to know who your high value guests are and to treat them appropriately. And so that that is really where it started. You know, as time has passed, you know, what we found is that almost all industries now have the, the, the essential technology infrastructure to collect all sorts of data like that. And that includes bike retailers. So we we might have started in ski, but but you know we've been working with the bike industry for years. It's amazing to think as a season pass holder, as a skier, snowboarder. You know, every I never thought that all those points are actually fantastic areas for data to be collected so 
people can, you know, companies can best communicate with me. It's really a whole concept that I had never, you know, thought so deeply of, but I can see the incredible value that retailers could use having this data and using it appropriately, as you said. Yeah, that, that that's right. If you will, the, the real goal isn't to say, hey, I want to know a lot about somebody and somehow spy on them. The, the, the right way to approach it is to say, well, what I want to do is treat my guests the right way. And I want to offer them products that are appropriate for them. And if they are, in fact, good customers, and if they're loyal, and if they come back to the mountain year in, year out, I, I probably should treat them with, with a whole lot of gratitude. And, you know, let me ask you this. When's the last time you've kind of received gratitude from, from a business that you're working with? Now, the reality is I, I've gotten to know the owners of, you know, I would say hundreds, if not thousands of, of businesses. And every one of them actually in their heart does have real thankfulness and gratitude to their customer base. They respect them. They love the business that they're in typically. And they also recognize that without those customers, they wouldn't have the business that they have. So they do often get into more of a heads down, you know, running the business, not necessarily thinking about, you know, how do I pull my head up and how do I think to myself, hey, should I say thank you to my most most valuable customers? You know, do do I treat them appropriately that way? That that doesn't mean, you know, every night they don't, when they put their head on their pillow, they don't say to themselves, you know, what keeps me alive, what keeps this great business going is is my customer base. They do. All we're doing is helping kind of formalize how, in fact, you start interacting with your customers. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to when I owned a bike store and back to when I ran this, you know, um, group of cyclists, this local club. And, you know, it would be a lot to just remember, you know, I, I would make email groups like reach out to these people because they like to ride on Fridays, reach out to this this group because they're women, you know, and it was a lot of time and effort on my part to keep track of that. So having and it was because I genuinely cared about them and making sure that they were aware and showed up and having this resource now that would save all that time and make it easier, I can see being a huge asset. Scott, so you're an entrepreneur yourself. I mean, you had this idea and you started this company. I mean, take that big step. How was that at the at the beginning, let's say? Yeah, so so I think I think you know the the origin story for for almost any entrepreneur is is a lot of introspection and contemplation. You know, is this is this worth the risk? There there are a lot of challenges in in getting a business started, but but I'd also say I've I've you know I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I accept risk as you know just a a natural part of life. Oddly, I actually think that that almost any any entrepreneur or any individual in the outdoor industry does the exact same thing, right? Every time you get on on your bike, you're you're accepting some level of risk, and you understand that there could be real consequences. You know, you accept that in your life, right? It becomes part of who you are. I think the exact same thing for for starting a business. I would 100% do it again. You know, it, it didn't mean that there there weren't you know large questions and you know ask ourselves, hey, we've got little kids. As my wife and I, should we should we attack this? And we always knew we would regret it if we didn't. So you know, it 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 really wasn't ultimately that hard of a decision. Uh, that doesn't mean that the first couple of years weren't pretty hard, right? You know, zero income is is not an easy thing to to muster for what we did was an entire year. 
Yeah, unless we take these risks, though, I mean, think about all the people that you're helping now and the lives that, you know, you're positively affecting. All right. So where where is Ascent 360 headquarters, Scott? Yep. So we are in Denver, Colorado, actually right in Golden, Colorado, right right on the on the foothills. We do have, you know, a fanatical group of, of outdoors people that are that work at the company. I actually tend to think that's one of the reasons we do pretty well in the outdoor industry is, you know, we've we've got you know, account people who, you know, when they, when they call on a bike dealer, they're, they're doing that at two to 3 PM. And they, they actually know at 3 PM, they're hitting the trails themselves and they're going to go effectively ride the same product that those bike dealers are selling, but it is golden Colorado. It's a, a wonderful place to be. You know, that said, we've actually got employees all over the country in Tennessee in Florida, in New York, in Montana, even some that are in uh, overseas in India and Pakistan. Wow. It sounds like an incredible team. I know firsthand working with, you know, like I said, Rob and Heather, they've been fantastic. Okay. So SM360.com on your website, listeners, please head over, check it out. There's lots of great whiteboards and blogs on there and whatnot. Just a quick overview of the different services you offer, Scott, and then we'll get a little bit more deeper if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So I think at its outset, we, we, we run what we call a data-driven marketing platform. And that means we have software that integrates with point-of-sale e-commerce tools like Lightspeed and Ascend and Shopify and BigCommerce and others. And it pulls all that data in. It runs analytics on them. It, it creates ideas of best customer, recent customers. It lets you pull data in from the website as well. And from you know the e- email tools, so that you've got a very good picture of who you're talking to, and then it's got a suite of automation tools and segmentation tools to let you create automation, such as a you know post-purchase email, or say you know 30 days after someone buys a bike, communicate with them in an automated way to say you know you've got a free tune-up coming, and did you know that after 30 days you know things get loose and you should bring it in. And hey, while you're in, you know, here's a coupon for 10% off accessories or or whatever you might have. That's effectively what our platform does. Yeah, there's lots of great tools. And, and just thinking about the bike industry, I know you mentioned the service reminder. As you've kind of ventured in working with more re- bicycle retailers expanding, I know you have Mike's Bikes and, and several others. Anything about the bike industry that has really stood out to you or is maybe you know, it has to be specially manipulated to just serve bicycle retailers, if you would? Well, I think on some level, there, you know, the, the things that you'd say are special about, about bike retailers, and it's not necessarily that different from, from other retailers, but, but there, there is typically a, a certain set of systems that bike retailers use. And, you know, the, the Ascend RMS system built by Trek is, is a good example. But bike retailers tend to live in a couple different worlds, right? They, 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 first of all, sell a relatively high priced core product and, it, and that's specialty reels, you know, specialty bikes specifically, right? You can certainly find places to buy very inexpensive bikes, but there is a relatively large uh, accessory trail along with bikes. There's a relatively large service trail that goes along with bikes as well. And that does mean that there are work orders and parts and, you know, a, a sort of different, not necessarily just, you know, selling product piece of the business and a piece that that is important to the, the revenue stream of, of bike retailers. 
as, as well as you know important to the consumer. But then you've got these other aspects of it, which is typically community, right? So almost almost every every retailer that that we work with tends to do something like you know create rides for certain groups of customers. They will you know segment those into you know road bikers and mountain bikers and and women's bikers. But that will also end up flowing into rentals and demos and things like that. And keeping track of all of that, communicating with those individuals, right? If someone rents a relatively high-end demo bike, do they buy it later? You know, are you even, you know, doing the right things to kind of foster them to buy it? Or do you rent them a demo and then never talk to them again? And, you know, they go buy it online or somewhere else. God only knows. So I think those are sort of the attributes of, of, of bike retail, which, which looks a little different from a technology perspective than, than you might find uh, in, in some other industries like, I don't know, quick serve foods or whatever that might be. Just looking at industries in general, Scott, I'm thinking about the past couple of years now with COVID and even as we move forward, has the way that we communicate or you know best practices in communication with customers, is that changing due to the pandemic? Do you see that in what you're, you know, what you're seeing as trends? Oh, absolutely. And 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 I would say dramatically, right? If if you go back five years, I think your average bike dealer would allow a consumer to come in, make a purchase, leave, and not know anything about the consumer. Uh, and you know, hope that they do come back in for a 30-day tune-up or something like that. The pandemic created a world in which most consumers for some period were, were were buying online and picking up at, at a curb. So now all of a sudden the the bike retailer will know more about the consumer. The consumer is much more ready to part with their personal information and actually starts to have an expectation that that they can part with their personal information. And the consumer does have some expectation that they get something in return. And that something in return tends to be good service, right? So like when they pull up, and you've probably had this experience at some good retailers, you pull up, they know that you're there and your stuff gets walked out and delivered to you. And, and there is a you know loyalty that that builds when you when you have that sort of a connection. That has continued to accelerate across not just bike, but but almost every 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 industry where the consumer is more and more happy to tell you about who they are, join some sort of a loyalty program in exchange for uh, better service, faster service, you know, hands-free service. And I don't think that's, that's changing, right? E- even as you might say in some, in some worlds, the pandemic is, is, is maybe in, in some semblance of a wind down phase you're not necessarily seeing that slow for you know services that that deliver deliver products and deliver goods and services or you know the 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 buy online you know pick up in store that that hasn't changed yeah i would think i mean i'm just thinking of myself personally you know signing up for groceries to be delivered or you know picking up click and collect pick up so things are definitely changing and i'm happy to give my information if it means that it it saves time and makes it more convenient back to the the website ascent360.com i love the white papers and the case studies 
And for, you know, like I said, for our listeners, head over to Ascent360.com, check out the white papers. There's one that recently highlighted seven gear shifts bicycle retailers are making using data. And this specifically pointed out to Mike's bikes thriving in what we're calling the new normal now, highlighting a return traffic campaign that drove like 100K in revenue. Are yeah. you familiar with that, Scott? Like, tell us about Absolutely. that. Yeah. So, the, you know, the what we are trying to do with those white papers is give our clients some access to what works, right? And so so we actually can see pretty clearly trends across our customer base. And, you know, we've got hundreds of customers now. And so we actually can really see what does in fact work. And so we, we try to deliver information about hey, we're seeing this work at this retailer. We expect that it'll probably work for you as well. Um, and, and I think that the campaign that, that you're, you're referencing is a post-purchase campaign that effectively says, look, you know, this is just an, an amazing retail note one way or the other. Your most likely next buyer is someone who just bought from you. And, and we can see that hundreds of times over in data. This is not limited to the bike industry by any stretch of the imagination. This is also accurate when you talk about, you know, nonprofits and donations. If someone donates, the most likely next person to donate is the person who just donated. And you'll often find that, you know, if in fact you do donate, you'll very quickly get a follow-up to donate again for, for that reason. But we certainly see it in the bike industry. And the answers uh, are, are somewhat clear as to why it happens, right? If, if someone buys a bike, you'd say, well, okay, they're not necessarily going to buy another bike. It turns out that that's, that's actually not, not often correct. What you'll find is that someone buys a bike and they, with their family, their spouse, realize, you know what, I want to go riding. My son's bike doesn't really work anymore, so I really want to buy my son a bike now or my spouse's bike is is getting old and why don't I go get her another bike? And that initial purchase spurs other purchases, not just in bikes, but in accessories. Someone does go home and realize that, you know, hey, I don't have the right shorts. I don't, I do need gloves. My gloves aren't comfortable anymore. Or for whatever reason, these handlebars are, you know, hurting my hands in a certain way. So I want to go, I want to buy these accessories. And I, th- I think, you know, the purpose of, of what Mike's Bikes is trying to do is, you know, they know that data, they've looked at that data, not only have they looked at that data, but they can actually see when someone makes a purchase, how long does it take for them to make a second purchase, or how long does it take for them to make a third purchase? And what, once they do that, then, then they can start saying, well, what products actually get purchased on the second purchase or the third purchase? So Mike's Bikes just simply uses this data to tell them when they should send follow-ups, what they should be following up with. And, and it turns out to work re- remarkably well. And, you know, you, you can imagine that that consumer who is all of a sudden realizing that they need a helmet or they need a pair of shorts, they've got a lot of choices for where to buy that, right? They could just say, well, I'll go to Amazon. I'm standing here in front of my computer. Or, you know, there's actually a target on the way and I'm not too concerned about what gloves I get. So why don't I get that? And so what, what Mike's Bikes is doing is kind of interjecting in that conversation and saying, look, you know, we're your local bike store. We're the ones who, you know, helped outfit you with the bike. Why don't you come back and communicate with us? 
they do a lot of other sophisticated things with that, right? They know what store, so they're they're coming back with dynamic information about the store itself or the store manager. They they know the sort of bike that somebody bought, so they might have dynamic information that ends up populating some more stuff. So Mike's bike specifically is really sophisticated, but many of our retailers are are you know just kind of getting off the ground and doing doing the basics. And the good news is the basics work really really well. Your NBDA membership helps support Bicycle Retail Radio. Go to nbda.com to join or renew your membership today. Yeah, oh gosh, there's so much in that answer that you just gave. Thank you so much for that. Yep. And I'm thinking of our consumer research that we just did polling over 2,000 um, cyclists across the U.S. And we asked specifically, where will you be purchasing your next bike or where will you be purchasing your next accessories? And many of them did say their local bike bicycle store and because of the knowledge and the relationship. So if you could send an email that you know, highlights a glove and the technical features, as well as, you know, calls out to them where your local shop, you know, thank you for buying your bike. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's, it's sure fire to win. Makes me think we had a webinar earlier this year with uh, Lightspeed and Wheelworks, which was just getting started with SN360. How, how are they doing with it, Scott? Any updates for us? Oh, you know, the last time I looked, they're doing fantastically. There's a, a tactic that we call plays. And a play is effectively some sort of email automation, or it doesn't have to be an email automation. It could be, you know, an, another channel. But the, the core idea is, well, you can use a platform like ours and say, I'm going to, you know, on a weekly basis or monthly basis, send out some sort of a newsletter. And that is a relatively time intensive activity because you look, you know, every week or every month, you got to come in, you got to build a bunch of content. You need to get... The, the email built, and then you got to go send it to people. What we recommended and we recommend with, with Wheelwork specifically was to go build a bunch of automations. And these are things like, you know, a automation around the purchase for future purchases or around birthdays or around anniversaries. And Wheelworks did go implement right from the beginning, three of these along with our team. Our team actually supports the building of the first three. And, you know, what we can also do is go say, well, okay, are these automations sending when people do some activity, right? They're browsing on the website. They're looking at bikes on the website. We can tell who that is. And let's send a follow-up automation that says, hey, you were looking at bikes on our website. Why don't you come back and look at these or, you know, come into the store? We, we then measure, you know, how are those, the, are those automations doing? And, and the last I looked for, for Wheelworks it was, you know, many times the ROI of what they were, what they're paying us is the return. So much here. I'm thinking you must have bicycle specific staff to help retailers. Like if they're coming to work with you, I mean, there's so many things that we don't know. You know, we think it's just a simple email you send, but in terms, it sounds like there's so much more. So do you have a dedicated bicycle staff member that helps retailers or a few, I'm assuming? <laughs> you know, what, what we've actually done over time is is just have a lot of people attracted to Ascent 360 who, who love the outdoor industry, right? So, you know, I myself have been an outdoor enthusiast since I was a kid. You know, I, I went to a, a, a three-week outward bound when I was 14 years old. Uh, I was out in the outdoors for 21 days. I, you know, went on a three-day solo. We did our rock climbing. We did, you know, orienteering. 
whitewater canoeing. And, you know, you go through an experience like that and you do fall in love with it. And, you know, since that time, I've been a biker, I've been a skier, I've been a fisherman. And the the, the passion that, that, that I bring to the business, you know, because of those activities is substantive. And what that ends up doing is attracting employees who are also passionate about the outdoor industry. And, you know, just the sheer fact that we live in Denver, Colorado, the, the, the business is in Denver, Colorado. We, we get a lot of people who are passionate about it and, and know the industry. So I think on some level, everyone at the company has fallen in love with the industry and, and knows it not just as, a, as a, an employee, but knows it as a participant. That's so important. You know, back to what you answered earlier when referring just to emails in general, and we think that mass emails can be good, you know, just send an email out to our complete (laughs) customer base. But I've heard you say before that that could do more harm than good. Is that correct? If you're sending the wrong content? I mean, absolutely. So individuals like to be treated like individuals. And I think that over time, you know, we've all you know, grown very, very angry and wary at, you know, big corporations who who treat us all just like numbers. And we, we've all experienced it over and over and over, right? You get into some sort of a phone tree with a company that you pay a lot of money to and for insurance or for internet service or something like that. And, and you know, you, you actually grow, grow very, very wary of, you know, companies that, that treat you like a number. And you get that exact same thing through through all sorts of emails, right? I I, I often think of an email that I, I received that said, hey, there's this, you know, Komen event in Lake Tahoe that, you know, you're personally invited to. And it was only for women. It was in Lake Tahoe, which I don't live anywhere near, but it was it was from the brand of skis that I own. And I'm like, okay, like literally they they don't actually care about me. They, they put so little effort into this thing that that even, you know, I guess like some percent of the people who got it must have thought, wow, that's like literally tailor made for me. I live in Truckee, California, and I am a female and I would love to go to that event. But literally the 98 percent of people who got it who don't have any of those things, they just think to themselves like delete. Thanks. And, and that that's the truth for, you know, people that that are that are passionate about their sport, right? They, you know, you go in, you buy a a $7,000 road bike and the next day you get an email that says, you know, you know, huge discounts on, you know, these mountain bikes or something like that. And it's like, well, they, they clearly just added me to their list, right? I'm on their list rather than saying they're going to treat me with some, some sort of, you know, personalized ideas. I'll, I'll even maybe create another you know, interesting detriment. So one of, one of the bike dealers who does work with us today came to us because at, at the end of a summer, they actually sent an email to all of their customers that said, buy a bike and get 20% of its value off in accessories, right? So big deal, right? Buy a $2,000 bike. That is, you know, 20% of that total, which is a big number, 400 in accessories. Well, it turns out that everyone who bought a bike that summer saw it and was like, whoa, where's all my accessories? And they started writing in and saying, listen, I bought a bike three weeks ago or two weeks ago. And like, I'm coming in for my accessories. And it turns out they had to honor or they did honor because they didn't want to frustrate people. 
that deal, right? But really what they were they were trying to do was, you know, get rid of end of summer inventory. And it it really backfired on them. And so you'd say, well, with a platform like a Sen360, you can send it to everyone who didn't buy a bike this summer and say, hey, why don't you guys, you know, engage here instead? And you know, that that in and of itself would have saved them thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh my gosh, Scott, I can't imagine the things that you're seeing. Like it's like, right. oh my gosh, poor retailer. I hate that. But you're yeah. not only you're not only working with specialty bicycle retailers or ski. I also see that you have like Smartwool and Ragnar under your family. That's pretty awesome, huh? I mean, you're helping big companies really flourish and and segment their messaging. Absolutely. And it it the 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 strategies don't necessarily change, right? When you think about Ragnar, you know, they run 50 races across the country, you know, certainly impacted by by the pandemic. But when when you want to advertise a race, let's just say it is the Las Vegas race. Well, who do you want to talk to, right? You want to talk to, well, first of all, people who live around Las Vegas, but that isn't the only people because there are people who you, you know, unknowing to you have family or friends that live near Las Vegas. So you probably want to talk to all the people who raced it before because while they came to Las Vegas last time, maybe they'll come back again. And then you also want to go talk to everyone who has shown some interest, maybe told you through one of the web forms or their interest form to say, I'm interested in running the Las Vegas race. But but you you can't just go sending this to you know tens of thousands of people who live all over the world who have absolutely no interest in, in coming to Las Vegas. And if you'd say that, well, they run 50 of these a year, and they need to promote each one 10, 12 times, you start talking, that's 500 emails. How do you contact the right people? It's it's really, really important to do that successfully. And so, you know, Ragnar does that for us. That those strategies aren't any different for Smartwool or Thule or even all the, you know, big ski resorts like Steamboat and Winter Park that we work with. You know, that that said, I would argue that bike retailers today have even, you know, more, more urgent reasons to to segment like to be, and and part of that is just how low inventory is right if if you if you have 14 bikes coming in and you know they're all going to sell because in fact demand is still high and supply is still low who who do you want to sell those to you've got a choice of sending you know an email to everyone or just putting it on your website and having you know some some individual who will never come to your store again, you know, drive three and a half hours north to to buy your your bike from you? Or would you rather have a longtime loyal customer? Uh, you reach out to them and say, hey, turns out we got 12 bikes coming in. Are you still interested? I mean, how happy are they going to be getting that email from you? Yeah, I was just in a meeting yesterday with several retailers who were discussing, okay, we have certain inventory rebuilding up, you know, it's not the right inventory that they need, but they do have some inventory. And they're talking about now is the time we have to start marketing again, we have to start reaching out and listening to what you're saying that the person who purchased from you in the past is, is going to be most likely the one to purchase from you again, it seems like a great time instead of investing in like radio ads or advertisements that we're not quite sure to specifically focus on reaching out the, the correct way appropriate way to your customer base. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm thinking, you know, at the cabinet show, you know, and I know you were there at the big year show. We it's very simple. We say to retailers, you know, the most important information, get collect the email address, collect the customer data. And and retailers are like shaking their heads. Yes, they're doing it. And some are like, I know I should, but I'm not. How can we prioritize this? Any simple ways for retailers to start prioritizing to their staff and in their location that we need to collect this data? You know what I I think it's it's just a change in mentality that you know five seven eight years ago what you'd actually find is that if you ask the the you know shop floor guys can you collect an email address they looked at that like a imposition uh, and almost as though they're putting themselves in the customer's place and saying from the customer's perspective like like. I don't want to collect that because I'm imposing on the customer in some way. I I think that that has changed. You know, we all recognize that Amazon collects 100% of customer data, right? They've never never had a customer where they don't know that customer's information. And, And they use that data in really, really smart ways to grow their business. And I think that there's a, there's a, a pact that, bike dealers should make with their own staff to say, like, this is fundamental information. If someone doesn't want to give us their information, that's okay. But but imagine if you've got a situation in which someone buys a $8,000, $10,000 bike from you, and then, you know, $400, $500 in accessories, and you you look at that transaction in, in light speed three days later and say, you know what? I don't know who bought that from me. I can't say thank you. I can't tell them they get a free tune-up. I can't tell them if there's a recall on this frame, you know, eight months from now, all those sorts of things are important. So I I really just think it is about, you know, working with the staff and saying, this is important. We will treat these customers with respect. We're not going to just spam them with all sorts of nonsense. You know, we've, we've actually never run into a bike dealer who's got the resources to spam people with all sorts of nonsense anyways. Or you know, sell their information to partners, or God only only knows what what other you know really large companies do that a bike dealer never would. Yeah, this I love this conversation. Yesterday, a bicycle retailer who has multiple locations, you know, fourteen plus locations, we were talking about how to be how to sustain future revenues. And his yeah. model, he goes, well, we're looking at the picture, the big picture of our of our location of our business, and at the core of it is how they communicate with the customer. And if they prioritize this, everything else in the universe is good, but it's that communication piece. There's a lot here, Scott. So we've got Ascend360 connecting to Lightspeed to Ascend to whatever POS system we're on. Then we're talking about setting up these automated campaigns for like, let's say a shock service or a 30 day tune. Is someone on your team holding the retailer's hand through this? Like I can see that this might be a little bit of like, oh my God, how do I even get started here? That, that That's actually right. That is how we kick off the project with our clients. So what we don't do is say, hey, sign up and like, here you go, you know, do your best. What, what we actually do is we help them get the first three plays started with them. So we, we end up doing the work. And and what that actually means is that, you know, first we have kind of a strategy session with us as well. What, what, what plays are you interested in? Here are the ones that we typically recommend, or these are the ones that we think are 
uh, high ROI or, or easy to get started. And, and, and our, our, our client will say, well, I like two of those, but, but the truth is I actually do a lot of services. So why don't we do the services one as well? And we say, okay, great. So those are the three. Then we, we help those them get that started. And we do it with the customer on the phone. And what it ends up being is like the best training that you can do, right? So you kind of see how we do it. You're watching. And then once, once you, once those three get started, then it's like, okay, you can still, you know, reach out to us for help, but you know, now, now, you know, it's your turn to create the fourth and the fifth or something like that. And that typically is a really good way to get people up and running. Yeah, definitely. I love that. So I'm thinking also, because I I know that I saw on your website, you also help retailers with loyalty programs and am I correct? Right? Well, I think that, that there's a lot of different, different ideas around what a loyalty program is. And so what, what we, what we do is we calculate for every single customer and, you know, we kind of dedupe customers to know that these two are actually the same person. We, we are calculating how often they buy, how many times they've purchased, how much they've spent. It's actually about 50 different things that we're calculating from, from that perspective and then use that data to, to communicate and market with people. What we're not trying to do is the sort of typical like United Airlines point system, like, oh, you've got 140 points and therefore, you know, you get free toast on the plane or something like that. Uh, we're, we're not trying to do that typical loyalty system. It's more of a, we know who your, your best customers are. What, what is interesting is, you know, client in, client out, about 80% of a retailer's revenue is from their known customers, which is amazing to think about because we do sometimes have people call us and they say, hey, how do I find new customers? And we say, well, that's like not what we do. What we do is help you with the 80% that are already your customers and to make sure that, that you keep them happy and they keep coming back over and over and over. Because what we actually do know is that most of your revenue, 80%, is going to come from, come from them. That doesn't mean that you don't want to find new customers, but the ones you've got are the most important ones. And I'd probably tell a story there, right? We, we early, this is three, four years ago, we went down to Texas, one of our brand new clients who has actually 40 or so locations, big, big outdoors company. We, we built the database and we decided to train them how to use it. We're in a conference room. And the, the first audience we built was of high value lapsed customers. And that means we, we said, well, let's create an audience of everyone who's spent over $3,000, people who've made five or more purchases, but haven't made a purchase in over two years. And it, it, it turned out to be 15,000 people. And the CEO was in the back of the room and you could see his head just exploding, thinking, oh, my God, do I really have 15,000 people who purchased thousands of dollars, have been in the store multiple times, and then they're just gone and nobody knows why? And, and the answer was, well, yes, you do. And, you know, you can start trying to figure out why. And you can, you know, send emails to survey them and say, why did you leave? Was it because you had a bad experience with one of my employees, right? The bike industry is famous for this, right? You know, the, the bike employee, you typically thinks that they're God's gift to cycling and anybody who walks in is, is like hoping to, you know, r- ride a kid's bike around the yard. And, you know, the, that, that can be a very, very off-putting. 
you know, is it that or is it that they moved away or is it they had a life change or, or God only knows what. But the last thing you want is people who are those high spenders to leave because they, they say to themselves, I had a terrible experience with that retailer. This is so deep, Scott. I am like, oh my gosh, think about how we could be doing so much better as an industry if we you know, looked at these customers. And especially, I'm, I'm sure there's so many people who haven't engaged with us just in the past year, just because of you know, life happening. We really need, need to do this as an industry, as we're talking about keeping new cyclists engaged, reconnecting, continuing this boom. It's like a psychology dive into like your customer too. It's pretty deep. This is deep, Scott. <laughs> like I'm like, Absolutely. so, but we're doing all this work. How do we know that these, you know, directed emails are actually producing results? Like, is there a way that we can look at that and see? Yeah. I mean, the, the good news is we we can measure that. And and how how do we measure that? Let's just say for a second that that we we only send an email to 10 people. And, and Heather, you're one of them, right? So when you send an email to those 10 people, the email gets sent 10 times and it is in each individual's inbox. And so then what you can actually see is, well, did, did Heather open that email? Did she click on that email? If, if she opens the email and we can see that and our system tracks it, and, and if in fact you click through and make a purchase, we can track that, hey, we sent Heather an email she clicked through and actually made a purchase. What our system also does is if you if you just simply open the email and you're like, oh man, I actually do need a a a new you know derailleur hanger or something like that, and then you come into the store when you make that purchase. If in fact the retailer asks you, hey, who are you? And you say, oh, I'm Heather, and you know this is my email. And they're like, oh yeah, you're in our system then we will also track that sale and we will associate it to the email that you most recently opened. So it's not a perfect measurement, but it is directionally very accurate. It is, in fact, how the real big guys do it, right? When you when you ask, you know, how is Nike doing this for millions of dollars a year? It's the exact same method so that you can actually see, wow, I sent an email to 5,000 people. And it generated, you know, fifteen thousand three hundred dollars in revenue, and and here's what that email helped me sell. And you can see that, hey, I sent an email about S Works, and it turns out the things that we're selling were S Works stuff. So it looks like success. And then you know you move on to the next one. There's so much here. Are your packages, the Sun360, the packages that you offer to retailers, let's say bicycle retailer A and B, are they going to be using the same? Is it one? like package or is there different packages for what retailers need or plan to use? So we actually have three packages. It, it really is what we call flash professional and enterprise. But m- most, most bike retailers, we typically start with flash, which is a basic set of tools to do all of this stuff. It's, you know, 98% of what anyone would need before they, they get, you know, very sophisticated and and what I'd say is, you know, very sophisticated starts looking like our enterprise clients. And those are those are you know tools and techniques that that typically are not necessarily needed by our bike retailers. So as, as an example, you know, integrations into many different systems such as call centers and things like that. Most of our bike retailers don't have any call centers. So we're not going to go build an integration into a call center for, for that reason. 
All right. Yeah. I mean, you've given us so many great examples of retailers and, and specific areas where data has been truly, you know, changing how they're doing business and help and helping aid to profitability. Thinking of terms of future, and I'm sure you're watching the trends for customer service and where data collection is headed. Anything that you're noticing, anything that we should be keen to as an industry? Well, I do I do think that one of the areas where you know, amazing data can come from that retailers often don't think about is is from their website. Because to most retailers, the traffic that's on their website to them is totally anonymous, right? They can just say, wow, like 11 people there. And for all I know, it's Russian bots. For all I know, it's, you know, a bunch of people in in India that are not going to come into the store. But once you use a platform like ours, you can start knowing who that traffic is. And I actually do mean individuals, right? So as I described earlier, Heather gets the email, she clicks through onto the website, journeys around and looks at, you know, the specialized carbon bikes, carbon road bikes. Well, that's data that you can use and you can say, you know, what I want to do is I want to send a follow-up email to anybody who didn't buy a bike, but was looking at specialized carbon carbon road bikes and and send a note to say hey come on in we have three in stock or whatever whatever you'd like to send so i i think people tend to have already kind of forgotten about that all that web analytic data that is so fantastically valuable all right so i'm sorry i'm not the most technology you know that's not my strong suit so how does a retailer even and do that? Do they work with their website or they work? I mean, are you helping with this? Because this seems like, yeah, why not follow up with an email that says, hey, we just got specialized road bikes. And if I was looking at them. Yep. It's actually part of our standard onboarding and it really only takes minutes in the same way that at some point someone probably added a little bit of Google analytics tracking code to their website. You add the Ascent 360 tracking code to their website and it starts tracking, tracking this information feeding it into our system and lets you build, you know, plays or automations using that data. So cool. I would like to try just so I could see like, Hey, what's working and what's not right. I just think that would be very insightful. Okay. Big question. And I hate to do the one tip thing, but for retailers who are already focused on data collection, do you have like one tip that you'd remember to stay on top of their game? I think that the one tip would actually be to write down a script for all employees on on how to ask for data, right? It's you're 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 not saying, you know, hey, we want to send you intrusive offers. Please, you know, write your email down here. It's you know a script that says something more like, look, we'd like to you know keep you informed if we have rides, if we have recalls, if we have specials. That sort of a script will help everyone ask it in a way that's very unintrusive. Un, un and, you know, you as the leader of the, the dealer know as well as anyone, you're not actually going to be abusing this data. You're going to be using it in ways that that is respectful and is keeping people informed of what's going on. And, you know, look, the day that you end up saying, hey, we're actually going to be moving stores from uh, location A to location B, you're, you're going to want all that data. You need to tell people, and, and honestly, your consumer wants to know. And I, I hate to bring up like exit plan, but I've heard several retailers who are considering an exit plan right now, mentioning that having this database is a really valuable thing. I mean, yeah, you're shaking your head, right? Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, if 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 I were considering buying a bike dealer, and you know, you say to yourself, well, you know, are all these sales are they are they the result of you know just a a dynamic dealer who's got you know all these connections, or you know, now I actually know that hey, they've got a database of you know fifteen thousand people, and those people all like I can see it on the map in the Ascent system that they all live, you know, within 10 miles of, of the store, that's a huge asset to help sell your business. Yeah. So much here. Are you headed to the big year show again? Do you know yet? Or are you waiting to see how things go? Or Oh, we, we almost certainly will. I mean, we, we loved the big year show last year. It was a, a great, you know, the, the way it was set up was fantastic, right? It's a little bit high risk in that it's outdoors, you know, it could rain or things like that. But I think everyone's willing to take that risk. And I thought I think it was a it was a really fun event, and I think people people had a like I didn't talk to anybody there who wasn't just in in the mood to you know be be human again in some way, and because it was outdoor, I think it actually made people feel really good. Yeah, there was like I can never describe it. I'm getting goosebumps right now, but there's like a magic that happened there. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to that again this year in Deer Valley, August 2nd and 3rd. Scott, for our listeners that might have additional questions, want to know more about Ascent360, ascent360.com is the website. Any other contact methods you'd like to share? I think our website is great. My email is sbuelter, S-B-U-E-L-T-E-R at ascent360.com. So feel free to reach out. Also, you know, you can get us at, you know, sales at Ascent360 or info at Ascent360. There's very few words you couldn't put in front of Ascent360 and, and have an email arrive at somebody at our company. That's awesome. And we'll have the link in the show notes too. Scott, thank you so much. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I sure appreciate it. Thanks so much. So that is it. I invite you to connect with me. Come on Bicycle Retail Radio. Share your story with our listeners. Head over to mbda.com. Lots of events coming up. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out previous episodes. Do us a favor, leave a review. If you'd like to support the show, go ahead and subscribe. Share your favorite episodes with friends on social media. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. And with this, we go. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com.